morning, Christ Church. Good to be with you this morning. The air conditioning is pumping in here. And it is good to be with you in worship. I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Church. And we are on week three already of this series entitled Divine Direction. It's a series that we started to look at and help us understand, help us navigate those moments in life where we are faced with a big decision. Have any of you ever had a big decision come along in your life? You've made that decision? Yes, you've faced that. You've navigated that. This series is trying to acknowledge the reality that in life there will be times where you have have to make big, significant, lasting decisions that often have ripple effects, not only for your life, but in the life of those that you love, that you do care for, those around you, your context. And, and so it's important for us to pause and examine how do we make our decisions. When we ask God those questions, God, what decision do you want me to make? God, what what is it that you desire for me? What is this future? What's next for me, God? What direction should my life take? We're spending time and energy as a people to see and understand how to ask that question in a healthy, right way and seek an answer in a healthy, right way as well. Just a brief recap for you, just what we've covered so far in the first two weeks. The first week, we acknowledge that God is, in fact, working in our world on a very big, grand scale. That as we have to make decisions, God has already made some decisions for us. He has made the decision to rescue and redeem humanity. And the divine direction that he is setting for all of history, including us, is a reconciled and restored life eternal with him. That is the overarching divine direction. But in that, there's a second layer. There's a lower layer layer where you and I tend to live and work and play, where we exercise also a measure of decision-making. God is not only making decisions, but that we too have been empowered by God, entrusted by God to make decisions in our life. And those decisions do matter. And as Pastor Bob impact last week, we can make those decisions in a way that go with the flow, that join the direction that God is already laying out, or we can make decisions that move contrary to that movement and activity that God is setting. And when we do that, it causes problems, it causes stress in our life. And so we need to figure out and see how can we join in with what God is already up to and the direction that He is moving our lives, the lives of those around us, in fact, all of history. Today we're going to get super, super practical. We're going to get really, really simple and yet effective by examining a transparent and easy to follow process. Today, we're going to learn about the process in which we make decisions definitively. It's a process that has been handed down. There's nothing new that we're going to cover today. There's nothing uh, earth-shattering, perhaps. That's It's stuff that you probably already know to some degree, but it's nice to have it in a simple, laid-out process that you can continue to return to so that as you exercise decision-making, you can check it against God's divine direction 
for this world in your life. So today, really nitty-gritty, really practical looking at the process. Good news when it comes to remembering and engaging in the process. The, the qualification that I'm going to ask of you this morning, uh, the, the thing that's really going to set the bar high is whether or not you know your ABCs. How many of you know your ABCs? Okay, most of you. Some of you are not sure yet. That's okay. I'll work with it even so. All right? All you got to do to get this process down that, that, that would be very helpful for you as you make decisions in life is remember your ABCs. A, B, C. What comes after A, B, C? D and then E. That's all you got to remember. A, B, C. If you practice these three simple things, they will lead you to D, a decision. They're going to lead you to a decision that you can make in your life and move forward. So A, B, C. The first A, when you're making a difficult decision and you need God to speak and you need God to to, to weigh in on your life, you need to seek advice. Everybody say advice. Excellent. We all need advice at one point or a time in our life. Advice can be so helpful and so important as we face the weightiness of a decision, calling upon the wisdom and insight and life experience of others can help us inform the decision that we're making. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Have any of you ever taken or received advice or given advice before? Okay, this is not a new practice for many of you, but it's incredibly important. It cannot be underscored enough. Now, for those of you who are a Christian and you practice the Christian faith, a word to you specifically about whom you seek advice from. You see, as you face these decisions, you want to be sensitive to whom you are going to and inviting advice from. Have you ever gotten bad advice before? Consider who you asked. Uh Uh-huh. For a Christian person, I'd invite you specifically to seek advice from other Christians. And it's not that getting advice from someone who doesn't practice our faith is, is bad or invalid or isn't meaningful. Don't mishear me. But there is a difference because there's a difference in terms of how we view the world. A Christian and a non-Christian are going to have different worldviews. They're going to have different practices. They're going to have different values. They're going to have different priorities. And even though you might get some really great advice from a non-Christian, I implore you, if you're facing a big decision, make sure you are tapping into the great cloud of witnesses, all the other saints, the other Christians that you might know, so that they can weigh in with a Christian-based perspective and ask questions that a non-Christian might not ask. They might lend and ask you to see and reflect upon priorities within our Christian lens and our Christian faith. So when you seek advice, seek advice from those whom you trust within a Christian faith practice. Now, Also, alongside of that, you don't just ask anyone for advice. You ask, hopefully, some Christians you're in dialogue with. But even in that, Christians, we're a big family tree. There's a lot of us. There's different kinds of us. And we're all in different places in our life and in our faith walk. There are different levels of maturity that come with this whole Christian thing, with living the Christian life. 
And so when you go and seek advice from someone, and specifically a Christian, make sure that you are engaging with someone who has a mature life and faith perspective, depending on the decision. Let me give you an example. Depending on how significant the decision is, you will probably want to tap into those whom you trust and see mature more often than not. When, uh, when I'm making a simple or small decision, I might broaden the circle of advice. So, when we're at Culver's and I'm going to order ice cream, I invite the advice of my two-year-old daughter. She promptly tells me, vanilla. In case you're wondering, that is the answer. Vanilla. When you show up to ice cream and you're wondering what to order, the advice that my two-year-old will give you is vanilla. She'll also help you with that ice cream consumption as well. I'm not going to ask my two-year-old, though, other questions that would be beyond her ability, that would be above and beyond the maturity and mature lens that I need in seeking advice wouldn't be appropriate for her when I'm making a significant life decision related to the trajectory of my career, my family, where I invest my time and my energy. I'm going to seek out those whom I trust and see and understand as mature, mature Christians. Now, caveat with that too. Just because you live a long time doesn't make you mature. Living itself is not the qualification for maturity. Maturity comes through practice. It comes through discipline. It comes through a measure of God's grace. And so when you seek advice, seek advice for someone who is Christian and mature in life and in faith. Often, don't underestimate the power of life experiences and the power of living a long time. The Bible will say in Proverbs that, the, that, that a head of uh, gray and white is a crown. It's a beautiful analogy, a beautiful image, a crown, because of the way in which you wear it. All the dads just sat up straight or happy Father's Day. <laughs> it's because with life experience, hopefully comes a measure of maturity and insight that you can then share with those seeking advice. God works through people to reach people. God saves people through people. God heals and equips and empowers people through people. And when you seek advice, God is able to speak to you through people. So one of the big important parts, probably the, the cornerstone piece as you begin making a decision, A, is to seek advice. Everybody say advice. Excellent. You are going to all start to seek advice. Then we get into B. Oops. Uh, here's, oh, quick, quick scriptures for you. Let me give you some other scriptures for you. Never go past scriptures. Uh, here's a practical, simple example where the Bible lays out advice. Uh, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Pretty straightforward. Bible affirms. Get advice. Another quick story where uh, uh, there was a really big decision that was going to be made in Christianity itself. The big question uh, that Paul and his partner Barnabas, these two Christian missionaries, were asking is, can you be Christian but not a Jew? Big question. Really big question. I mean, like, so big that part of the reason that you're sitting in this room is related to this question. Because they were trying to figure out, 
Could you follow Jesus and not be a Jew? Rather than making their own decision, they went and sought advice from the apostles and the elders who had been following Jesus and knew Jesus' heart. So they went and they engaged them. And because it was such a significant decision, they found the most mature, wise, grounded people that they could. People who had actually spent life with Jesus, the disciples. That heritage of how that decision is made is passed on to you as well. Seek advice. We get into letter B. B stands for Bible. Everybody say Bible. Excellent. If you hang around Christ Church enough, you're going to see we do a lot in the Bible. If you are seeking to understand what God wants for your life, if you're about to make a big decision, one of the best places that you can go to find affirmation and direction for your life is by engaging the Bible. Yes, the Bible can be intimidating. Yes, the Bible can seem big. Um, Yes, not everybody has a Bible. Yet, it is worth engaging with the Bible to help influence you. It is another vehicle. In fact, it is one of the primary vehicles that God uses. There's a reason we call it the Word of God. You guys ever heard us call it that? Me and Pat PB love to call it the Word of God. And it's because it's what he uses to speak to us. A famous uh, little old monk 500 years ago described the Bible as a manger. If you can picture it, it's the manger. And his, his, his analogy is that the Christ child, Jesus, is laid in the manger. So if you want to know what Jesus wants for your life, go find him in the manger. Go to the Word and start reading through your Bible. Start reading and engaging with the Scriptures. If you need a Bible this morning, there are Bibles upstairs in that snug area, in that library area. Take one. It's yours. It's a gift. Start reading it. Uh, Some of you get hung up on what translation should I read. It doesn't matter. The translation that you're reading is the important translation. The emphasis being on reading the Bible. Does that make sense? Read it. Get into it. If you're having trouble getting into the scriptures or feel intimidated, there are reading plans that can help you do this. Oftentimes in the back of a Bible, you'll have a reading plan. Nowadays, you just pop up the phone, Google Bible in a year, and I guarantee you, you can print off and get engaged in a Bible. They've got apps that will send emails to your phone. Those of you who commute and you need to get in the Word and you need an audio Bible, you can go to Daily Audio Bible. Just Google that, Daily Audio Bible, and I guarantee you, you'll find a podcast, start downloading it, and exposing yourself to the Bible. Because God continues to this very day to speak to us, his people, through the Bible. That's, that's why we spend so much time on it here at Christ Church. You want to know God's heart? You want to know what he wants for your life? You want to know the direction that he's setting for us? Start reading the Bible. Uh, if, you've never, if you need a place to start, start with the book of John. It reads like a story. It's this beautiful narrative. If, you haven't, if you're having trouble jump-starting yourself into the Scriptures, uh, start with John. Read a psalm a day. There's a book in there in the Psalms. Don't be bashful about using the table of contents. Get in your Bible. You can also do this not only on your own, but within the context of a small group. How many of you have been or, or are in a small group? Nice. Well done. I guarantee you that if you talk to one of the people who just rose, raised their hands, 
and, and ask them, has God ever spoken to you profoundly or, or communicated with you during a group experience where you sat around and you talked about the Bible? I guarantee you just about all of them will say, yes, something profound has come from this time together and spoken into my own life. God speaks through the Bible. So if you're asking the question, God, what do you want for my life? What direction, what decision should I make? Get some advice from other good Christians, mature ones, and get engaged in the Bible. Start reading it. The Bible itself will affirm this. It says this in Acts. Uh, It says, The Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Sometimes we're so busy wrestling with our inmost thoughts and desires that we just can't seem to get a clear answer and a clear decision out of our own person. We just don't know, and that's the position we're in, and so where we're asking God to make it clear to us. God, make clear to us what the next step should be. But here you have the Bible saying, look, read the Bible. Because it will make clear to you what your heart is really after and desiring. It will clarify your own thoughts. So, A stands for... B stands for... And then we get to A, B, C. Circumstances. If you're in the midst of making a significant decision for your life, do I buy this house? Do I buy this car? Should we adopt? Should I marry her? Should I take this job? One of those big life decisions. You should seek advice. You should be engaged in your Bible, letting God speak through people, letting God speak through the Bible, and then look for how God might be speaking through the circumstances. Now, there are two different ways in which we understand circumstances internal circumstances and external circumstances. When I talk about internal circumstances, I'm talking about what you yourself are thinking, feeling, and experiencing in your own person. This is one of the reasons I encourage you to pray. It's a great time during prayer to feel like you're communicating and and, and get a sense of the direction that God might have for you. Take that time, make it a quiet space, have it with a cup of wine or a cup of coffee, and set aside an opportunity to examine what am I thinking, what am I feeling, what are the internal circumstances as I prepare to make this decision. Now, if you do some examining and you're like, whoa, uh, I got a strong feeling that I should not go this direction... I should move this direction. Take note of that. If you're about to make a decision and you can't help but feel pulled in a specific direction, you can't help but feel as though someone is just pulling you towards a decision, take note of that. Because that's one of the ways in which God can work. He can speak to you and your spirit. We, we, we're complex creatures. We're not only body, we are also mind and soul. There's a spirit that we believe as a Christian people that, that, that's part of our makeup. And God says that he can speak to your spirit. And so be sensitive to whatever spirit you feel inside of your own person. Again, prayer is probably the best way to help find discernment around that. That's internal. You also must take into consideration 
external. External circumstances are simply, we have an analogy in our common culture, open and closed doors. You all heard of like a door being opened or a door being closed before? You guys heard that analogy? Right? There's sometimes in life you're about to make a big decision and it's like the door slams in your face and you say, well, guess I'm not going that way. Or other times, you'll be tracking along, you know you've got to make this big decision, you have this big circumstance that you're facing, and it's like, wow, the door just opens up. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly right. That, that is the answer that I've been seeking. This can also be God's activity, opening and closing doors. And so examine the context that you are in as you make a decision. Don't make it without acknowledging the decisions others are making because God works through people. So he might be opening or closing a door and pushing and pulling you in a specific direction. Take the time to notice, to examine, and think about the circumstances. Again, the Bible would affirm this in a couple different places. Here's an example of where it affirms it in the internal sense. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I can't help it. The Spirit is just pulling, prodding, pushing. It is sucking me towards Jerusalem. I am bound by the Spirit to head in that direction. I don't know what awaits me there. I'm not quite sure of of, of what the future might hold, but I expect and accept that the Holy Spirit, it's, it's communicating with me. It's talking to me. It is telling me that in city after city, the jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the work assigned to me to finish what Christ has given me, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Basically, Paul is stepping back and examining himself and saying, look, I am feeling compelled to go to Jerusalem and pursue what I believe God is doing in and through me. And so he is faithful to that. That's one of the ways that he internally examines the circumstances. Here's external. This is also about Paul. Next, Paul and Silas, they are doing some traveling. They're they're missionaries. They're going out into this world, telling people about Jesus and starting churches. And in the process, through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. This is a moment where it's an example of the scripture pointing to a closed door. You got Paul, you got Silas, they're planning on traveling to Asia. But all of a sudden, for whatever reason, there are things or circumstances that took place that prevented them from doing it. Later on, they talk about heading north to Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to go there. There were things that got in their way... That when they stepped back and examined it, they said, ah, this is God closing a door for right now. And they respected that. So, A stands for, B stands for, C stands for, if you engage in these practices and work through them in relation to a big decision you make, it will go well with you. It will be prosperous and fruitful. The Bible, however, gives a little caveat to us. This is not necessarily a perfect process. We are broken people. And sometimes the process can break because not the process, but so much those involved in the process. Sometimes we get advice from 
from poor places of advice. We get bad advice from places that we probably shouldn't have gone to. Sometimes we, we, we think that we're going to find the answer in the Bible, and so we do what they do in the movies. We, we say, God, should I marry her? And we just open it to a page, and we say, let them turn the other cheek to those who would strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. I'm saying that's a no-go, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> woo. Striking cheeks and stuff, right? No, so don't do that. That is not going to be a healthy, good way to do it. And the Bible warns us, even in terms of our own spirit, sometimes we rely so heavily on what we're feeling, we need to be careful because the devil can play around with our feelings. Woo! That's a playground for him. He can make us feel things that lead us to poor decisions. Sometimes, you know, there have been experiences in my life as a pastor where someone has come to me and they tell me, you know what, pastor, I just really feel X, Y, Z. And I look at them and I have to figure out how to tell them, yeah, that's not the advice that I would give you. And that's in clear contradiction to the word of God. Yeah, check your feelings on that one, buddy. Because in the process of your discernment, you might have gone astray. That's why you need to actually practice all three You don't just get to specialize and pick and choose on one of the three. You need advice, you need Bible, and you need to examine the circumstances, internal and external, when you make the decisions. And you can't cherry pick one. Okay? You got to have the counterbalance of all three. And when all three are in sync, we call that consensus. You have consensus. Then you're ready to make your decision. The Bible warns against these things. It says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Not everybody's going to give you great advice. You've got to test them. See if the Spirit they have comes from God. There are many false prophets in the world. There's a lot of bad teaching. There's a lot of bad advice that's going to roll around out there. And so you need to have the counterbalance of all three. If you have gone through A, B, C, you will reach D. That is a decision. You will hopefully come to a place where you've made a decision. You make that decision as best as you can based on the process. And once you've done that, hopefully you have peace. The Bible promises peace to his people. It says it in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. If you're worried about a big decision, stop. Instead, pray about it. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. I need to know what you want, God. I need to know this direction for my life, and I'm making this decision. Thank him for what he's done in the past. You will receive God's peace, a peace which which exceeds uh, anything we can ever understand. That peace will guard your hearts. It will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. When you make your decision, check your heart to see if you experience peace. If you don't, consider going back to letter A and rework in the process. If you do experience peace, excellent. (laughs) That's what we're hoping. When you make that big decision and you have that overwhelming sense of peace, it's hard to explain it. Anyone ever experienced that before? You guys ever experienced that peace? Okay, many of you, many of you. It's a supernatural thing. I don't, I've experienced it. I don't know how else to describe it except for to say it's supernatural. And it truly is. It guards you and protects you in the decision that you make. So if you work the system, you work the process, A, B, C, D, you make your decision, you should experience peace. Ultimately, it leads us to E. E is very simple. Once you've made your decision, you've got to expect God to work regardless of the decision. God has promised to work for your well-being and for your good in this world and the good of his people. 
sometimes even in spite of us, frankly, often in spite of us. God promises to work with our decisions, even the bad ones. Promises that straight out of Romans 8. We know that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love God according to his purpose for them. And so once we've made the decision, we trust. Our faith leads us to trust God and expect, anticipate his work, regardless of whether or not it was a good or bad decision. The decision is made. And God will use it for your good. He might have to rescue you. He might have to pull you out of some nasty stuff to do it. But he will work with the decisions that you make in your life out of love for you and respect for you. He will allow you to make the decision. But he will also use that decision for your good, no matter what. That's part of what we proclaim as Christians. That God can take us in our brokenness and in the poor decisions and use them for his kingdom and his glory and the salvation, his ultimate divine direction. I promise you that every week we would spend some time examining our hearts and time in reflection. We're going to do that now. I invite you, if you're on one of the aisles, to look under the chairs and see if you have a basket underneath. You're going to take one of those and pass it down the aisle. We're going to take about three minutes just to spend more time in reflection. And I invite you to engage with this process. Are you using this process? Have you used this process? Where are you in relation to this process? Maybe you're really good about seeking one but not another one. Take time to reflect and consider. Let's do that now.